Welcome to the Christ Academy podcast with Jeff Wong, where you'll receive inspiring ideas and stories as we explore the journey of faith in Christ. So today we are going and diving into Acts 7. We did Acts 6 last week. I've entitled my message, Boldness Equals Power, Price, Promise. And so each of those ideas, power, price, and promise, have to do with one of the three, one each of the three points, respectively, of today's message. We're not going to read through the whole chapter. Most of you guys have already read through it because of, um, because of uh, this was the reading for Life Group this past week. But we're going to take two kind of big sections and read those. But today's message pertains to the whole chapter. And so, let's head right into it. Actually, let me pray for a second. God, would you speak in power today? Would you help us to really understand what happened here? And, and give us revelation to inform our minds, but touch our hearts as well. But Lord, may this cause something to happen with our hands so that your word affects our head, heart, and hands, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whoops. Let's go to the next section here. We're going to read this scripture, and once again, this is the Word of God, and this is so powerful. It's not just text on a page. This is the living Word of God. And even in John 1, if you guys remember, Jesus said that, that He is the Word. So there's a relationship between the Word and Jesus, and this is actually Jesus. There's some mystical way that this all relates. So here, verse 1, feel free to read it with me. Things were going well, and the number of disciples was growing. But a problem arose. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. What's going on here? This is the wrong... What happened here? Um, just a moment. Something is wrong. Um, okay, there's a wrong slide for some reason. Weird. Another technical issue. Okay. So here we have... We, by the way, here... Let me give some context. In, in the ver- first verse of chapter 7, Stephen... Um, uh, the one who, just in the chapter previous to this, he was appointed as one of seven deacons. And there's some there's a powerful outflowing of the Holy Spirit over him, and he was performing miracles and so forth. And there's, there's a bold, there was this boldness on him. And people hated that, especially religious leaders, the religious leaders. But there's a whole bunch of people, not only religious leaders, but there's many people who opposed him. They paid people to lie about him they had to bring him in front of the Jewish high court which which we call this which was called the Sanhedrin and by this point in chapter 7 verse 1 they asked Stephen what does he have to say for himself for himself and then he goes off and he recounts the history of the Jewish people but he inserts commentary his own commentary describing how the Jews had all throughout history been unfaithful to God, even though he rescued them and, and, and rescued them out of slavery and provided them with freedom. But they wanted to go back into slavery. So let's read this part in verse 36 here. Moses indeed led our ancestors to freedom, and he performed miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt at the Red Sea. And in the wilderness over a period of 40 years, Then verse 37, this Moses promised our ancestors 
the Eternal One, your God, will raise up from among you, among your people, a prophet who will be like me, so like Moses. But this this is the same one who led the people to Mount Sinai, where the heavenly messengers spoke to him and our ancestors, and who received the living message of God to give to us. Let's go to the next slide. Verse 39, But our ancestors still resisted. They again pushed Moses away and refused to follow him. In their hearts, they were ready to return to their former slavery in Egypt. While Moses was on the mountain, communing with God, they begged Aaron to take idols to lead them, to make idols to lead them. We have no idea what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us out, uh, brought us from, out, brought us from Egypt. Sorry, they said. So they made a calf as their new god, and when they sacrif- and they even sacrificed to it and celebrated an object they had fabricated as if it were their god it was their god verse 42 stephen continues and he says and you remember what god did next he let them go he turned from them and let them follow their idolatrous path worshiping the sun the moon the stars just as their enlightened neighbors did and the prophet amos spoke for god about this horrible betrayal. So he quotes, he quotes the prophet Amos, Did you offer me sacrifices or give me offerings during the your 40-year wilderness journey, you Israelites? No, but you've taken along your sacred tent for the worship of Moloch, and you honored, you honored the star of Rampha, your false god. And so if you want to worship your man-made images, you may do so beyond Babylon. Guys, in this in this passage, you see Stephen, he was, he was just a deacon, but he's he wasn't even amongst the original 12 disciples. But you see something powerful happening as he starts telling the truth, as he starts recounting history, but he starts telling the truth to these Jews as to what has happened all throughout history. And those leaders that were hearing him in the high court just got more and more upset. But there was something powerful happening because Stephen was unleashing the truth. He was telling the truth as to what was happening at that moment and what had happened just prior as the Jewish people persecuted Jesus, put him to death. In fact, they let a criminal go in his place because they were so emboldened, so angry. I want you guys to imagine, imagine being in a courtroom, knowing that speaking the truth could cost you your life. That's the situation Stephen found himself in. He was in the high court under Jewish law. But he chose to speak the truth anyway. You know, some people wonder, like, was was Christianity a fraud? Were all these people just conspiring and making something up? You wouldn't make something up and stick to it 
if your life was in danger. And so you see follower after follower of Jesus, particularly the the apostles, and even people beyond the apostles, they're giving their lives for something that they believed that was true. They were willing they did they weren't willing to lie themselves. They wanted to tell the truth. They're willing to stand for the truth because there's something important at stake. It was the gospel. It was so that people would know the truth. That's the situation that Stephen found himself in. He spoke the truth, even though it was unpopular, even though it was dangerous. There's something incredibly incredibly powerful about that and it serves for us as an inspiration and a and in a way a standard for us a standard for us when it comes to standing for the truth in our culture as particularly here in the west it has become more and more unfashionable unpalatable more in politically politically incorrect for us to stand for the truth the truth of Christ and what he did. The devil wants to shut us up, and so he barks so loud he scares us. And the Christians, they begin to hide. They begin to hide just like sheep that are afraid. But we forget that we have a shepherd that looks after us, that protects us. But And Stephen knew that. Stephen knew that. And so he decided that he would communicate the truth. He would communicate the truth at all costs. And because of that, there's a power to truth-telling. And for us, the same thing is true today. There's a power to truth-telling. There's a power to truth-telling whether you're a follower of Christ or whether you're not. We see that in our society. We've seen this in, in all kinds of ways. I think of Dr. Jordan Peterson. If you don't know who he is, he's a Canadian clinical psychologist and professor. I, I don't. I'm not sure if he still is because... His certification, his license to practice psychology, has been un- has been challenged because he's standing. He's been standing for the truth. But he's a former professor at Harvard and then the University of Toronto. He rose to fame from his outspoken views on free speech, political correctness, and cultural Marxism. He's known for his best-selling book, Twelve Rules for Life: An Antidote to Chaos. He came out with a sequel. He's also famous for. A, a variety of his online lectures and interviews. He was famous. And then, I mean, he got more and more famous. But one example of how Jordan Peterson has spoken um, truth to power in his opposition to Canadian law, it was when he spoke against this, uh, when he spoke against Canadian law that compelled people to use gender-neutral pronouns when addressing transgender individuals. It wasn't the use of of using this kind of language, gender-neutral pronouns, like they and them and, and all, all kinds of uh, other pronouns which were becoming more and more proper, uh, popular. But it was that the government was, to com- was, was compelling people that they had to use this language or also there'd be repercussions, strong repercussions. So Peterson argued that, that, that the law violated free speech and compelled uh, and compelled speech he re- refused to comply with it this led to widespread criticism and protests as well as a disciplinary investigation by his university peterson also faced personal attacks and threats all kinds of threats from those who disagreed with him very very malicious but yet despite the backlash 
Peterson continued to speak out against what he saw as an infringement on individual liberty and free speech. He became a, he became a lightning rod f- for debate on these issues. He was interviewed in all kinds of media, criticized and attacked, but he still st- stood stand uh, stood firm. He still stood firm. He stood for the truth. His influence spread beyond Canada and has become worldwide. He's inspired many people to stand up for their beliefs, even in the face of opposition and personal cost. And so we see from Jordan Peterson that there, he, he stood for the truth and there was a power behind it. I remember listening to him speak and he said, the more that, that those with, with extreme woke ideologies, the more, that they, the more that they attacked him, the more that his popularity grew. And so it was frustrating for them. They, they didn't want people to listen to Jordan Peterson, so they'd attack him. Then more people would listen to him. There's something powerful about standing for the truth. We see that in Stephen's life. We see that in the life of Jordan Peterson. The necessity to tell the truth. And so in a, in a day and age where people use the idea of your truth, this is my truth, and you have your, your own truth. This is your truth. You know what? There's only the truth. You have your experience. You have your own perception, which people are calling your truth. But the truth is that there is only one truth. If the traffic light turns green and you think it's red, you can't say that that's your truth. You can't say that that's your truth. The truth is what the traffic light actually is. If you say that my truth, my truth is that if I go into the water and I put my hand under the water and dive down, that I, that I can breathe into my nostrils the ocean water and I'll survive. That's your opinion. That's, your, that's what you believe. That's what you state, whatever it is. It's not your truth. The truth is that you're going to drown and that you're going to die. And this is what we see in our society, that more and more people, they're beginning to drown or they're in this process of drowning and dying because there's not an acknowledgement of what the real truth is. And the interesting thing is this. There's some guy whose name, his nickname is the truth. I'm not talking about Paul Pierce, the, the NBA the, the NBA player, the former NBA player, the basketball player. His nickname was The Truth. He was given that nickname by Shaquille O'Neal after the Boston Celtics demolished the Lakers. The one who is greater than that, whose nickname in a sense is The Truth, is Jesus Christ. The one that Stephen stood for. Jesus referred to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And the more that we distort what the truth is, the more we fall further away from understanding who Jesus really was and what his message is for us because he communicates the truth. He was the one who said the truth will set you free. The truth, not your truth, the truth will set you free. And there's something so powerful about that when we realize that the actual truth will set you free. Your truth that you believe that you can you can breathe underwater like a mermaid or something, that's not going to help you. You're not going to live when you go underwater and breathe the salt water into your nostrils. You don't have gills. You can't survive like that. If you just believe that that's your truth and it's going to happen, it's not going to work. 
You need to know the truth. You got to come to terms with the truth. That the truth is that you need oxygen to a degree that is above the water. You need to breathe in the air because you receive your oxygen through the air. That's the way that you are. That's the way that you are designed. That's what we believe. You were designed to breathe that way. You need oxygen or you will die. You need the truth or you will die. And that's the idea of why we need Jesus. We need Jesus, the truth. He's the way, he's the life. He leads to eternal life. In the sense, there's many ways to God. But eventually, you need to come to this one path. This one path. You could come from here, you could come from here, you could come from here in a sense. But eventually, you come to Jesus. It's not... Muhammad is not going to lead you to this path of salvation. Buddha is not going to lead you to the path of salvation. It's Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's something so powerful about telling the truth. And our society needs the truth. Our society doesn't need Christians who are completely silent and who are afraid. We've got to have courage. We've got to have courage because people need the truth and there's power to it. And this is the example of Stephen and what he did. We, church, we got to have, we got to have the truth and we got to speak it. We got to let people know. We can do it in all kinds of different ways. There's times to do it where we have to be bold. We have to be bold with our words. But there's times to do it where we need to be gentle, where we need to converse. There's other times where we need to proclaim, but we need to listen to the Holy Spirit as He guides us, as He shows us when to do what, when to speak this way, when to speak that way, when to be silent, and then when to speak. But it can't be true that we're going to be that we're meant to be silent for decades. We can't. And I feel like the church has been so silent for decades. We need to speak the truth, and people need the truth. If they don't hear the truth, how will they know? They must know. They must know Jesus, and they must know the way to eternal life. They must know the way to God, to a reconciled relationship to God. We can't be silent. Let's go to the next part of the scripture. Starting from verse 51 all the way to the end, I'm going to draw two insights. And so we'll, we'll pause kind of midway within this. Stephen, this is fast forwarding a few, like several verses. Stephen says to them, he has the boldness to say to them, because it's a truth. He said, you stubborn, stiff-necked people. Stubborn, because of your pride. Sure, you are physical Jews. This is where, this is, this is getting hard to swallow for the for the for these guys in the Sanhedrin they're the the elite of society the wealthy the powerful the the ultra religious and he's saying to them you're physically you physically you're Jews yes but you're no different from outsiders in in your hearts and your ears oh this was so hard to swallow you are just like your ancestors which Stephen talked about constantly fighting against the holy spirit of god didn't your ancestors persecute the prophets? But here we have the prophet of Jesus, he's insinuating. First, those ancestors killed those prophets who predicted the coming of the just one or the Messiah, Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered the just one himself. 
you have murdered Jesus. Verse 53, yes, you received the law as given by, by heavenly messengers, but you haven't kept the law which you received. He's saying that you've kept, you've, you've observed the details of the law, but you forget the heart of the law of what God gave you. Verse 54, upon hearing this, his audience couldn't contain themselves no longer. They boiled in fury at Stephen. They clenched their jaws and ground their teeth. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. So as they were freaking out, as they were enraged against him, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit of God in that moment. He didn't get enraged himself. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He gazed up toward into heaven. He saw something they couldn't see. He began seeing the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. The glory of the Father, God the Father, and Jesus standing at his right hand. What a privilege to be able to see that. So powerful. The second insight I want to share with you out of today's message is this, is that there's a price to perseverance. There's a price. There's a price to pay. If we will be bold, if we will be strong, if we will be courageous, if we will tell the truth, there's a price to pay. There's a price to the truth. Especially as our society goes goes one direction, goes down, 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 deeper into the ways of the devil, there's going to be a price to pay. And the price is your perseverance. You have to persevere through it. Even though, Steve, even though the audience was enraged, the, the society's wealthy, powerful, religious, all in the, in the Sanhedrin, although they opposed them and they're freaking out like crazy, Stephen had to persevere through that. And what, did, and what, what happened? He gazed up to heaven and he could see God the Father and Jesus at his right hand. God, God allowed that to happen as he paid the price of perseverance. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? But he paid the price. When we go into the next few verses, we'll see exactly what happened. There was such a steep price to pay. And for us, as we state the truth, as we, as we exercise our courage and our boldness in following Jesus, there's an incredible price to pay. It's not going to be popular. You're going to feel isolated. You're going to feel like you're the minority because you are the minority. People are going to put you down. People will shut you down. People will reject your words. But there may be some, there will be some that need to hear that. Need to hear that even though they may reject it. There may be some that need to hear it and they'll receive it in the moment. Let's go to the next Let's continue in the scripture. Verse 56, Stephen says this. Look, I see the heavens opening. I see the Son of Man, which is, which is the term that was reserved, meant to describe the Messiah, that he would be an ancestor of man, like he would be a descendant of human beings because God would be coming as a man. So the Son of Man, I see him standing at the right hand of God. Verse 57. At this they covered their ears. They started shouting. The whole crowd rushed at Stephen, converged on him, dragged him out of the city. They took him from this, that's the meeting with the Sanhedrin. <coughs> they started freaking out. 
They just dragged them. They got violent. They dragged them outside the city. And they stoned them. They took stones and they threw them at them. They didn't take little pebbles. They didn't take little rocks. They took big stones. They started throwing at him, chucking at him, trying to harm him, trying to damage him, trying to injure him. Some of them trying to kill him. Then they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to get more into Saul in the coming weeks. And how powerful. Remember that name, Saul. They laid their coats at the feet of the man named Saul while they were pelting Stephen with rocks. Stephen, as the rocks fell upon him, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As he was getting pelted with rocks, he just knelt down to the ground, started praying, shouting at the top of his lungs, maybe trying to outshout the people that were trying to kill him with rocks. Lord, can you imagine this, guys? He says, Lord, do not hold this evil against them. Those were his final words. Then he fell asleep in death. You got to be, there's got to be so many rocks being thrown at him, so many stones being thrown at him to actually kill him. They must be, they're hitting him in the head. They hate his guts. They want to get rid of him. They can't stand him. They feel triggered. But Stephen's just like the Christ who he's proclaiming. He says, Lord, do not hold this evil against them. Those were his final words. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? It's just so incredible that Stephen, as he, as he lived out his final, his final moments, you know, we only see Stephen in, in chapter 6 introduced. Then he's gone by the time chapter 7 comes about. He's gone, by the way, from his earthly life, but he's in, glo- he's in eternal glory. He was in eternal glory with Christ. As soon as he passed away, not one moment more he was with Christ who he proclaimed. And that is super powerful. That is incredibly, incredibly powerful. You know, think about this. Imagine receiving an unexpected inheritance. I don't know if you know people who've received that or if you yourself have ever received that. Someone passes away, you're related to them, and they have you in their will, and you receive this long um, you receive this this huge inheritance. Suddenly, your financial worries are over. You're able to pay off some credit cards, some debt. Maybe there's and there's some left over. You're, you're able to make an investment in a place, perhaps, or pay for school, pay for expenses, whatever it might be. And then you can live with this, this sense of security and the sense of freedom at that point. That's the kind of hope and assurance that we have in Christ knowing that our future is secure in Him. Our future is secure in Christ. 
If there's anyone who should feel courageous, if there's anyone who could who should feel like they could they could withstand persecution and oppression, it ought to be the one who's a, a follower of Christ. We know that in eternity we have this promise. We have this promise that has been that's waiting for us that as soon as we pass on, that we are with Christ. That if we suffer in the moment, that we'll be in eternal bliss and joy and happiness and wonder would be blown away by what we experience in the afterlife. There's the promise of eternal glory. We need to keep that in the forefront of our minds, knowing that this is what we have in Christ. This gives us courage. This gives us boldness. This gives us the assurance that even though we pay the, pay the price for telling the truth, that there's a reward waiting at the end that no matter how much suffering we experience, that it's temporary, that it'll be over. We have the promise of eternal glory in Christ, and we need to stand on that. We need to stand on that. It's so important for us. And so, each one of you as disciples of Jesus, think about where your life is right now. Think about the strength of your witness or the that lack of thereof. Think about the strength of your witness. Think of the strength. Let me say this again. Think of the strength of your witness or the lack thereof. Think about it. What does Jesus want us to do? What job description has he given us in this life? We call it the Great Commission. But the Great Commission is for you. It's not just for the people beside you or other people in the church or the elite. It's for all of us. The shirt I'm wearing says, get used to different. It's a, it's a part of Jesus' words in the Chosen series. We don't know if he actually said that. But I remember Simon, in, the, in the Chosen series, Simon Peter was, try, was trying to convince Jesus not to select Matthew to, to follow, to, to, Matthew to follow him. And he, he, describes, he describes Matthew, the tax collector, and then I think he said something like, what about you, like Simon, you know, Simon Peter? And he said, that's different. And Jesus says, get used to different. If, if, you're, if your witness, if the witness of your life is exactly the same as when you weren't following Christ, something's wrong. We got to get used to different. There needs to be something different. There needs to be something different about us. If your witness is exactly the same thing as someone who doesn't know Christ, something needs to change. Something needs to be different. You need different in your life. And you need diff you need to be different to make an impact in this world. We need that. Find ways. It doesn't mean that you always have to create an uproar everywhere that you go. There may be ways for you to bring life. But there may be times where you have to stir the water, stir the pot. There may be times where you have to be a disruptor. And our society right now needs disruptors. Our society needs encouragers. It needs people who give life, but we also need disruptors. And it might be that you have to do all those things at different points, at different times, at different moments. You need to speak the truth. We all need to speak the truth a lot more. Rather than being silent, Heaven forbid that we lie. We need to stand for the truth, especially as we it becomes increasingly unpolitically correct. Who cares about politically correct? 
There's only one real correct. It doesn't need to be politically correct. There's only one real correct. There's only one real truth. And that's what we need to offer, what we need to speak about, what we need to celebrate, and what we need to proclaim. I want to show you a little bit whoops about Stephen here here's a some art that just kind of just depicts what happened to Stephen can you imagine like, what it was like for him at this moment everyone's so angry against him so furious against him enraged as they were confronted with the truth And they tried to kill him, and they did end up killing him. He was the first martyr in the Christian church, meaning since the time of Christ. And since then, many, many people in that first century gave their lives for Christ. A martyr is someone who dies for their cause, dies for the truth in this case. And then since that, then, in the centuries to follow, in the millennia to follow, even to this day, People give their lives for the truth, for Jesus, and ultimately for others to experience the truth. And so God is telling us, God is reminding us that in this season, this is a season that, that, that requires, that demands your courage, that demands that you speak, demands that you have a witness, demands your boldness. And as you are bold speaking the truth, there's a power in it. But speaking the truth has a price. It may cost you your popularity. It may cost you your reputation. It may even cost your life. But stand firm. Because there's a promise. The promise is the experience of eternal glory. What you do on earth for Him... Can you move the fader up? Okay, guys. We had some technical issue again. I'm certain that the devil doesn't want you to hear this message. And so there's all kinds of technical issues today. The, the fader somehow went to zero because the devil wants to shut this down. He doesn't want you to be bold. He doesn't want you to tell the truth. He doesn't want you to be bold. He wants you to be a coward. And he doesn't want you to be willing to pay the price to tell the truth. But in summary, there's a power to telling the truth. 
there's a price that true followers of Christ are willing to pay. And we know that there's a promise of eternal glory. And so we're not afraid. So let me pray for us. Let's put up our hands in a posture of receiving from God and a posture of surrender. God, what a powerful, powerful love that you have for all of humankind. What a powerful act that Jesus did as he gave his life to pay for our sins so that we can have a restored relationship with you and so that we can have eternal life. So church, if you want to respond to God, repeat after me. God, we pledge that we will tell the truth, that we will be vocal, we will stand firm. God, we vow that we are willing to pay the price. We're willing to pay the price. And we believe that there is a promise of eternal glory. Use me. Use our church community for your purposes. Church, if there's ever been a time where people need to hear the truth, they need the truth of Jesus, it is now. There's been many points where pe people have needed this. But in terms of the span of your life, now is the time. So God, guys, let's be a witness. Let's be a witness for Christ. Amen. Amen.